Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that delivers all the news you need for the week. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Martin Schneider. I'm your other host, Dan Ludwig. Very good, nice NPR voice there. I, uh... Yeah, once, uh, I think I can, do, do you want to actually try to do an NPR like thing? like Talking very softly, close to the mic. The Andy Griffith Show ran on CBS Mondays at 9.30 from 1960 to 1968. But for many people, the show never ended and went on in their hearts and in the existence of one city in North Carolina. Like that? Like that? Like that? Yeah. God, we could be actual, like, people who do stuff like this. Like, we we genuinely could do this if if we wanted to. But anyone who listens to any of these is just going to go, we're unhireable in this realm, like, to be honest. We're we're in a hell of our own. Hello, I'm Marty Schneider, and this is Dan Ludwig, and you're listening to Breaking Mayberry, a show that is about the Andy Griffith Show, and also sometimes about the people who like the Andy Griffith Show a little bit too much. In lieu of, like, our normal intro stuff, like, where Dan and I bullshit about whatever interesting thing is happening, we're gonna somewhat admit that, like, nothing interesting is happening right now. But also, so... I'm just going to give a disclaimer up front. This is going to be one of our weird episodes. Usually about halfway through each season, Dan and I like to try to take a step back and kind of try to decode what's going on. And we are going to do an Andy Griffith episode later in this, but it's a painfully nothing episode. So this is me kind of preempting you to explain what you're about to listen to and also giving you a warning. This is not going to be one of our funnier episodes, like straight up. It could be. I mean, We're going to be making fun of bad people, so sometimes that works. Yeah, it could be. And Let's not sell ourselves short. And this week, this week in particular is interesting because uh, CBS Sunday Morning, Ted Koppel gave us a, uh, a, a reason to talk about this. Like, I don't understand how or why, but this week, Ted Koppel did a special investigative report. He took a crew for CBS Sunday Morning. And went to Mount Airy, North Carolina, the real-life Mayberry, to sort of talk about the enduring legacy of the Andy Griffith Show with these people. But, uh, Koppel? And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say up top, Koppel needs to write us a fucking check. Yeah. Because, yeah, fuck you, paying me. We did all of your goddamn groundwork on this. <laughs> I'm, I'm so stunned. It's so weird to see people doing the thing that we do like ted koppel of all people reputable journalist ted koppel is like what what if the andy griffith show was bad let's (laughs) examine that and it's like fuck like so apparently we were on to something verified by Ted friggin Koppel, who is just like just that any time that me and Marty are coming on here and spitting a whole bunch of bullshit. And you're like, I don't know, guys, you might be going out on a rim. Picture Ted Koppel behind both of us nodding approvingly and just going, I'm Ted Koppel and I approve of every single word of this. Ted Koppel's got to have does Ted Koppel have a Pulitzer. He's got to have Pulitzers, right? 
Probably. They just toss those things out, right? I think You've so. You've been in the game long enough. They give you one out of pity. I think so. Me- fucking Mike Ramirez has two, and he's the worst. Like, Yeah. Uh, all right. So, no, so this week they, they ran a special 15-minute segment about, you know, the town that is known as the real Mayberry. And I don't know what it is this year, man. There is not one, but two Mayberry movies that exist yeah. right now. One's a documentary called The Mayberry Effect, which Dan and I are going to have to watch at some point. And the other is our boss-level May- Mayberry man. Is, I don't think we can watch. Right. I, we, it's, it's an ambition, but I think it would literally kill us. I, I if if it, yeah, if the movie itself doesn't, the producers are gonna hunt us down and find us. Like that, I think. That's, yeah, that's a reasonable assumption at this point. Okay, but I want to talk about this. This they they build our our podcast a Yelp so that they could get bomb it with bad reviews. <laughs> I want to talk about this fifteen minute segment. Like, yeah. CBS Sunday Morning is only, like, an hour long, right? So they dedicated, like, 25% yeah. of their airtime this week to that. Because there's nothing else more important in the in the country. They dedicated well, 15 fucking minutes to Ted Koppel going to North Carolina. Well, you, I'm going to call that what it was was Ted Koppel just was, like, going to do, like, a five-minute puff piece. And then he was like, oh, no, this shit is fucked up. I got I just got to keep peeling away the layers of it. There's every time I like do a new thing, Barney Fife impersonator shows up. So this is our afternoon. Uh, yeah, I think that is exactly what happened as well because you watch this segment for about 6 minutes. It's like a it's a puff piece. It's like a little tourism thing. It's like haven't we all yearned for a simpler life? Well, you can have it. And and then Ted Koppel goes in. Ted Koppel is like now I know we're all having a wonderful time here and we're here to escape politics in real life but fuck you (laughs) fuck you (laughs) let's let's say what you people believe stop quoting the Andy Griffith show and tell us what you actually believe in and they're all like nightmares (laughs) the turning point comes when he's standing outside of a diner uh and he's talking to, he's doing, you know, the same standard man on the street kind of interviews. And he's asking a man uh, with a terrible goatee what he, you know, why he, this appeals to him. And the man says something along the lines of, you know, I think that people really like, you know, Andy being real with his son about matters like stealing. And I think in our godless society, he says the words godless yeah. society right now, I think people kind of want to return to that. And this is where Koppel's like, okay, but for you. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the moment where it stops being a puff piece. Because he's just like, you can go to Mayberry. And they have Andy Griffith squad cars that you can get tours in. And look, sometimes there's impersonators who walk around. I, I have they to... have fried chicken. And then a guy's like, godless society. And Ted Koppel goes, oh, shit. Oh, I have something here. Yeah. All right. I, I do have to say, he does kind of go in on the cosplayers, too. Uh, yeah, because he says, yeah, and every once in a while, a man in a deputy a uniform will st- hop on by the trolley. He does look a little like Barney Fife, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not. He delivers it just like you or I. Yeah, he's like he almost looks a little bit like Barney Fife. <laughs> he he met after a certain point, every word of what Koppel is saying is almost dripping with disdain in this in this report. But no more so than when he's talking about the trolley tour. Uh, of Mayberry, where he describes how much it costs. He's like, 
Meanwhile, for 20 bucks a pop, <laughs> you can ride a motorized trolley around what looks like Mayberry. <laughs> Which, and there's a point where where he's like, interviewing the chamber of commerce so basically the story of this town is it's the town andy griffith grew up in and the economy tanked because it's the fucking south and all the mills closed and so they basically had like this moonshot idea of like let's literally just turn our town into a fictitious town it wasn't filmed here but let's just do it Mm -hmm. and they like transformed the town and got like tourism booming he's interviewing the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce, or he's like the the head of the Chamber of Commerce. I thought he was the mayor, but yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, he was that. He was the head of the Chamber of Commerce, and partway, and he's just like, we just want to give people a good time. The Andy Griffith Show is like a nice little sanctuary, and he's like, you ever notice how, there, how there's no black people? <laughs> and just the guy just goes like, okay, all right. This is my favorite. My favorite part of the interview is because. The man uses the same defense that I've seen on the, like, Andy Griffith show rerun watchers, which is that, like, well, okay, but if you look in the backgrounds, I think if you look at the crowd scenes, you look closely, I think Andy and some other people on the show made sure that there were black people, that there were people of color in the crowds. And then they cut to a couple of crowd scenes with CBS very helpfully putting bright red circles around the figures that are supposedly black people but one of them could have been a mailbox for all i i can (laughs) tell like one of them looked i'm pretty sure was a push like it was so great like they were just circling random shit and be like Maybe. I mean, the, can't prove it's not a person of color. These, these figures were like so shoved to the back. Even the black people that they had as extras were at the back of the crowd yeah. for just a second or two. And this and is the, the defense. This is his argument for the defense. And he says, well, you know, um, Andy Griffith and the producers went to special pains to get as many uh, black people in the crowd shots as possible. And it's like, oh, great. Wonderful. Not even in non, not, you didn't even get extras in like non crowd scenes. You only had it happen when there were like 400 fucking people and it's a where's Waldo game. There, there is one point of this, it, this extended moment where, or this piece that gets a little frustrating. Because it turns out to be just another let's talk to Trump voters segment in disguise. Like, it's sort of a backdoor pilot. At this point, it's just like, well, we got sick and tired of talking to people in diners. So we're going to go to this town modeled after a fictitious town. And now we'll we'll let them talk about the horrifying their belief system. Well, no, because it's not necessarily that. So they're they're on the trolley and all of them are just spewing like the empty bullshit platitudes that we've been like bashing ourselves over the head with, which is like, well, you know, respect and fairness and you want to treat your neighbor good. And and, you know, there's, there's simple values and down home values. And Ted Cobble just goes, how many people think the election were rigged? And all the hands fucking shoot <laughs> yeah. up and it's like, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Now we're now we know where we are. Yeah. He, those... He's basically just like, stand up and tell me what you actually fucking believe and stop doing this bullshit double speak. And they're all like, I think they bust immigrants in for the January January 6th riot. I think it was an Antifa black black op. 
And and Tim Koppel's just like, okay. He's not like trying to argue with them or being like, and why do you think that? He's just like, let's just marinate in this moment. Yeah. The, let's uh, just be here. The, the, there's a point where uh, like the tour driver like has to stand up and be like, okay, Ted, can we not do this? Because I'm going to lose a ton of money. I feel like everyone <laughs> here is just wants to... You know, escape from politics and escape from the Andy Griffith show. And there's one guy, or um, escape to the Andy Griffith show. And there's one guy in the back just yelling, like, it was BLM people! <laughs> they were BLM! And, and, like, and as soon it goes out. And we should point out the other, like, key figure of this is uh, a good chunk of the middle where, where Ted decides, hey, why don't I go and interview black families that live in this area about the yeah. discrimination and what they've. Uh, scene in the real Mayberry. And they're very, you know, they're very open and honest, the family that he interviews about, you know, the... the I don't need to go into it. It's North Carolina. They were a lot, They were in the 60s. I, we are aware of, of this. But they're very clear about it, and they also do this weird thing where they're like, but, you know, I love Mount Pilot because it's where my family is. And Ted Koppel gets very confused. He's, they say something like, you know, this is where family and memories are. And he says, yeah, but all of your memories of this place are bad. He says, <laughs> he, sa he says, all of your memories are of being treated as a second class citizen. And they say, well, I wasn't treated second class with my family. And this is where my family is. And it kind of just made me deeply sad. Yeah. I was just like this. Yeah, but your family could be anywhere. Your family could have been in Baltimore, Maryland. Like what? What? Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a weird thing that I don't you know understand, and I want to talk about the uh, the closer of this, right? The closer of this is such a good knife turn, right? Because you have you have someone. I think it's the tour bus driver who is trying to do damage control at this point. Yeah, and he says, you know, I think what everyone, regardless of race or color or creed or anything, I think what everyone wants is kindness and good old-fashioned family values and that's the way uh it's the way america should be and everyone on the bus like like cult like status that's the way america should be yeah and then it's <laughs> they all snap right back into line and and then ted ends it with this line as they fade to the commercial or whatever and in the 60s when hollywood was writing the script that's the way it was. Yeah. It's it's a it's a good piece of journalism, uh, but it's also, again, frustrating to me because I'm just like, Ted, why did you even do this? What was the purpose of this? And it's also very interesting to me because CBS, like, the Andy Griffith Show is a CBS property. Yeah. And it's, CBS is going to take no responsibility Res for this like, whatsoever. Like, yeah. They're cashing those fucking reruns. Like, yeah, they definitely, but... I I was way more pro all this. I was like, yeah, fucking get them, Ted. Get their asses. Like, get fuck, get in there. Yeah, bring up the Vietnam War. Yeah, he's trying to evade. No, 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 no. Now bring up discrimination. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Don't let him go, Ted. <laughs> sounds, sounds like you're playing a video game. You're playing Deathloop, yeah. but as Ted Koppel. I would pay for a fucking Koppel video game. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Use Socratic questioning, Ted. Yeah, get him. Get him. Oh yeah, let him let him hang himself, Ted. Fuck yeah. Press F to marinate in the moment. Press X for dramatic pause. Fucking no, it's I mean it's really it, I it, he does fucking great because he you can you can definitely see this like veneer of they're they're always just repeating like 
like just the same Andy Griffith bullshit. And when whenever Ted Koppel just brings up the reality of the 60s and 70s, like they go into like full on crisis mode where it's almost like, oh, you're not allowed to bring that shit up here. It's got like a very like Stepford Wives atmosphere. It is. There are people who are walking around and they're just like, I I lived here. This was my home. And now there's a bunch of fucking Barney Fife impersonators in front of my house all the time, which I guess is fine. Yeah. I mean, imagine that you just lived here. Imagine living there and not giving a fuck about this show. Yeah. And then suddenly imagine this town has to have a high school or something, right? Like people still actively live here. All right. Imagine you just like you lived in on uh, you you really liked your neighborhood. You loved living there. And one day a bunch of Gundam cosplayers were always in front of your house. There was just always that. Like and and that was just your day as you you woke up and you walked past the Gundam cosplayers and they were like laser sword and you're like all right Steve I'll see you later and they'll make that cosplayer a thousand times worse make that like like do literally the worst kind of cosplayer imaginable I guess if you live anywhere near Times Square that's that but like that's exactly that but also if you live near Times Square fuck you your life is hell anyway like if you live near Times Square, you're one of the Elmos. Yeah. Like that's the only explanation is that you want to cut your commute down. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know who's not happy about this segment? Oh God. Oh yes, please. Are they going ape shit? I mean, not as bad as I thought they would. There's only like five or six comments, but they're very long comments. Written as if, like, Ted Koppel... They're, they're all written addressing you, Mr. Koppel, and people like you, as if Ted Koppel is in the, like, closed Andy Griffith rerun watches club. They're also very upset by, like, a few, like, mistakes at the very beginning. But they're not really mistakes. Number one, Andy Griffith... At the beginning, Koppel says that the Andy Griffith show was canceled in 1960. They're going to be really technical about it and say, well, it wasn't canceled. Andy took it off the air himself. That's called canceling, right? Yeah. Anytime, for, for whatever reason, agreed upon or not, anytime a show comes off the air, it's called being canceled. And also, uh, he at one point in time, Koppel says that the intro to the opening, the opening was filmed at the back lot, and I guess it wasn't. But it's Ooh, got him. Ooh, fucking nailed it. And it's it's that annoying fucking MAGA boomer way of arguing. It's just like, aha, you got a basic detail incorrect, so I don't I can toss out the rest of your hypothesis. Just met just missed the point of fucking everything. One thing that was like a fucking great moment is they're on the trolley. First great moment is Ted Koppel and also Barney Fife impersonator gets on. The Elvis impersonator was here, too, for some reason. And he just goes, yeah, thank you very much. It's like, okay. (laughs) So he's just very clearly frustrated with this entire thing at this point. But near the end, when the trolley people are going on and on about the January 6th riot, Ted Koppel just goes, how do you feel about people in the media? Like me. And a guy just goes, I think your piece is a shit. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that neighborly attitude really lasts, huh? That shit doesn't fade off at the first sign of adversity. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking it's it's so good. It's just Ted Koppel. There's the entire mid mid act break that is Ted Koppel just basically going from person to person going, "You know none of this is real, right? You know this wasn't a real place." And they're like, "Well." And he's like, "Okay, I'm going to the next person. You know that this isn't real." And the guy just goes, the, the the best part is when the, like, Chamber of Commerce guy is just like, listen, we know this isn't real. When nobody here really thinks that Mayberry is real. And Ted's kind of like, do you? <laughs> because ch- he just kind of points out the window because all of this. The Chamber of Commerce guy, there must have been one part where he was just like, come on, man. I've never watched the fucking show, but come on. <laughs> this is This is my night you're fucking with here. Don't do this. Don't do this. By the way, uh, I need this money. By the way, in the discussion of the uh, the Andy Griffith Rerun Watchers Club, the first time I've ever seen this, the mention of Andy's personal politics, but they say, "Sorry, forgot to add that Andy himself was a staunch Democrat. This was never mentioned." And the answer yeah. is because it doesn't fucking matter. Like the one thing I've noticed about this is that these people don't give a shit about Andy himself. The the that would, the name Andy Griffiths is barely mentioned in this fifteen minute segment. They don't care about Andy himself. They barely care about Ron Howard. They care about the concept of Mayberry. But okay, I'm gonna say, why did Ted Koppel not throw that out? Not as a valid argument or a criticism of anything, but just to see what would have happened. Because it would have ruled. They would have resorted to cannibalism. Like it would have gone real Lord of the Flies real fast if Ted Koppel had just gone, you know Andy Griffith campaigned for Obama, right? They would have, like, flipped the trolley. You know, I just, I, I don't know if this is even remotely listenable, but, like, I, I do get a little irritated in this. I feel like this went for, I feel like this went hard. It did not go hard enough, but it went extremely hard for a puff piece that ran again on CBS Sunday Morning News. Like, yeah, ran exclusively for a, a program exclusively for old people. It's a it's a Sunday morning news show on CBS. So it's the old person show on the oldest person network. Like, yeah, in the context, it, in, in our context, this was really a lot and nothing. It wasn't really impressive. In the context, Ted Koppel was scalping people and nailing them to the wall. Ted Koppel was crucifying a guy on live TV. This was absolute bloodshed in terms of CBS and the time slot. Yeah, I, I think a good chunk of that, by the way, is that now that I'm Wikipediaing Ted Koppel, first off, Ted Koppel isn't, he's he's born, he's American, but he was born British, and I think that's interesting, like, so he doesn't have the Americana sort of, like, connection to this everyone, but I think another part of this is that Ted Koppel is, what, up 71 years old, and I feel like part of this is him kind of going around nudging people, going like, you know this can't last, right? Like, yeah. like I've accepted my mortality, I'm Ted Koppel. <laughs> Yeah, I will die. I stare the Reaper in the face every single morning. I'm Ted Koppel. <laughs> so I know that I'm going to die and eventually no one's going to give a shit about what I did. You guys really think you guys really think you can keep this going? Like, <laughs> I'm Ted Koppel. I wake up every day, look my wife in the eye and say, one day we will be just carbon. <laughs> and she says, yes, Ted Koppel. I, I think like a big part of it that like Ted kind of gets to the point of like, 
Because you asked, like, oh, why are all these fucking, like, Mayberry Man movies coming out? And why is everybody getting real into the Andy Griffith show suddenly? And the answer is very, like, he just kind of lays out, like, who's really upset that Donald Trump is no longer the president? And someone throws, like, vomits locusts. Which is like, oh, yeah, that's kind of why they're getting really into this lately. Is, like, it's definitely... Like, we've never really hit the Trump thing on the head that much, but, like, Trump is a fucking big part of this. Like, Make America Great Again. I have seen Make America Mayberry Again stickers, like. Yeah, there was definitely an element where, like, when, when he said Make America Great Again, a lot of people heard Make America Andy Griffith show again. For sure. For but, sure. Yeah. I, I think that we danced around that at the beginning of this show. We, like, we kind of, like, nudge nudge like we knew this, but no, after three and a half seasons, like. That's very clear. And you know who is fucking, like, and this is why, like, I can never really have any affinity for Ron Howard, right? Because he, Ron Howard gets mad at, at Trump, at Trump supporters, even though he fucking is buddy-buddy with J.D. Vance and made that horrible Hillbilly Elegy movie. But, yeah, you know, he was fed this candy from, like, since he was a child. Uh, and when he's like, what do you want? What do you, what do you want, MAGA heads? And it's like, motherfucker, you were there. Yeah. You saw you did it. it. <laughs> this, is, this is your fault. You were party to this. I get that you were a child, but own up to your shit. <laughs> oh, man. And I, and I keep wondering, right? Because, like, I, I, I know I've said before that he and Clint made it may have some problems because they are politically opposed. Nah, he and Clint just released a fucking biography together that I guess we're going to have to read for this show. Oh, God. It's called The Boys. Oh, God. So, I mean, I don't know that this was really interesting for any of you listeners, but I... Sorry? We <laughs> we needed to get it up. I mean, we're going to attach a link in the Yeah, you need uh, to the watch the entire 15 minutes. It's a weird piece, and I don't... I still don't quite understand why it exists, uh, because, it, like I said, it is just another let's go ask Trump supporters what they want in disguise, and... Like, dude, I don't know, Ted, go to go to Buffalo and talk to their socialist mayor. Like, yeah, like you could be doing anything. I don't I don't understand why we're still so obsessed with this group of people. Like we haven't we heard enough from them. I've heard from these people my entire life. They're not that interesting. I know their, yeah. their perspectives on pretty much everything. Also, there's like Fox News and then every channel to the right of Fox News. I could just watch if I wanted to know what their deal was. Like, I get it. I, yeah go go talk to someone we haven't heard from I, gu- I guess what it comes down to is like i don't know how they're gonna keep this going and in a way i don't know i think we, i think we're the legacy my dude yeah i think eventually basically eventually these guys are gonna have to wise to the fact that like everyone who everyone who believes their thing is gonna die off and it's just gonna be left with like weird dipshit postmodernist deconstructive assholes like us you know, Ron Howard tried to go to, like, one of the Andy Griffith Show events, like, one time, and a lady showed up with, like, little Ronnie Howard clothes and was like, put them on. I want you to wear them. Please talk to- Shave the please, beard. Please talk to my doll, little Ronnie. There were, I guarantee you, Ron Howard shows up, there's gonna be at least three fucking ventriloquist dummies. Because for some reason, ventriloquism is real big among the Andy Griffith Show community, as far as I can tell. The, he goes to, like, one convention, and 
a guy in an Andy Griffith onesie just walks up. Can you call me dad? And Ron Howard's just like, I'm out. I'm done. You can keep my fucking money. I'm going to go direct Apollo 13. I can't do this shit. Oh, God. Yeah. How bad so- is that going to fuck up your psyche, though? Like, having a having a town, an entire town, a population, worship your child figure self. Yeah. You know. That's got to be, like, a lot of fucking child stars are justifiably deeply fucked up i don't think any of them got a cult going on do they no i no. can't i mean the, the closest i can think of is like mara wilson is a is like worshipped by everyone who talks about being a gifted kid on twitter i'm not saying that they won't build a town around the movie matilda they totally could i gotta delete that i feel like mara wilson could come on the show at some point like we could get her we could that is feasible could get mara wilson just come and be like what is this what are you doing be like hey can we have some of the that twitter clout please oh thank you 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 ever mara wilson follows me on twitter you ever get a mara wilson rt i've gotten a few it's a good bump (laughs) i've seen i've like jumped back into into twitter and like i was like i'll check on my uh on like some of my old people to just see if they've been funny recently. And I saw like one of your re like one of them retweet and I was like, fucking weird. <laughs> so let's go ahead and do an episode of the Andy Griffith show. Thanks for you know sticking with us listeners. This episode is season four, episode 19 hot rod. Otis originally airs February 17th, 1964 written by Harvey Bullock and directed by Earl Bellamy. Here's your like, 10-word description from Wikipedia. Otis, the town drunk, has Andy and Barney worried when he buys a car. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could just say, Otis gets a car. That's it. This is, like, this is the most minimalist. I wonder, like, this seems like a an episode that was filmed, like, during a union strike or something. Like, it's so minimalist. No one seems to be doing anything. The only three actors in it are Don, Hal, and Andy. Like, they're only three I, characters. I'm gonna, like, do the meters up top. Andy meter, it's fine. It's like a five. Barney meter, it's zero. There's nothing there. Yeah. It's, like, the most fine, like, episode that I think we've ever done. It is perfectly ser- It is perfectly serviceable. Doesn't really do anything wrong. Doesn't isn't particularly good at any point. It, it has like some stuff that's like mildly funny. It's fine. It's definitely the best example I've seen of them being like, we've got minutes to fill. Come on, come on, keep going, keep going. Yeah. Like it opens on an extended scene of Andy and Barney playing cards together and just having like a whistling contest and also sitting very closely together, like with their legs all up in each other's crotches very intimate but yeah so it's literally like good three or four minutes of them playing cards and whistling and commenting on each other's whistling and then otis shows up and there's an extended bit where otis looks at barney's cards and messes with him i guess by coughing when he sees a hand or something good hand or something they're playing rummy which i think this might be a lot funnier if i knew how to play rummy 
Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody under the age of 56 has played Rummy in 30 years. And then uh, Otis goes to his cell, goes to sleep, but he insists that they wake him up right at 8 a.m. And they're like, yeah, buddy, whatever, we'll wait. There's a really long extended bit where Otis acts like a child and asks for a drink of water and he needs a story. Am I missing anything, Dan? No, it's really the the summary of every scene is they give Hal Smith the ball. He runs it <laughs> like it's just basically like they're just like, all right, Hal, can you carry this scene? And he's like, I can do a new weird thing with my left eye. And they're like, do it. Do it. All right, man. You're a fucking incredible actor. Yeah. Like, get in there. Save the scene. You know what's amazing is I went back and I watched the new adventures of Winnie the not the new adventure the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh the the Winnie the Pooh movie from like 1971 Hal Smith is in that Hal, Hal Smith plays Owl yeah yeah and just from voice work I'm just like that sounds nothing like Otis that's that's just a complete 180 like I can't detect any Otis Campbell in that performance uh, Sterling Holloway plays Winnie the Pooh we already did a whole episode with him in it and we made fun of him but like he's just doing the Sterling Holloway voice. No, Otis is acting, and he's also doing voice acting, which I think is cool. Whatever. Dude, I don't know. Like, All right. So they wake Otis up the next morning at 8, and he's like, Woohoo! I've saved up some money, and I'm going to go get something cool. Bye! Ne- then we've treated to, like, three scenes of Andy and um, Barney try to guess what Otis is buying. I'm so yeah. bored, dude. It's, dude, and they're not even fun guesses like they're not like uh they're they're not like oh maybe he got a pogo stick can you imagine otis on a pogo stick oh maybe he got a sword now they're like well what if he got a new suit no he wouldn't buy a new suit what if he got a vacation that's a sensible fun thing to buy yeah maybe maybe he got a vacation all right well uh I think we've come up with a good list of options. We've This has been a productive afternoon. Good job to everybody involved in the scene and everybody watching the scene. I, we kept it all very orderly. Nobody got out of hand. And uh, all right, let's move on. Like, Don't it's forget, just... listeners, if you'd like more of hearing Dan play Andy Griffith characters guessing things, then you can also donate at our website. You can subscribe and get a tote. We also have... Billy Joel Live at Stalingrad, a three DVD set with all those Billy Joel hits, all for you for being an NPR member. Thank you. Listen soon to our next Tiny Desk concert. That's right. Listen to one of your favorite artists not do very well. (laughs) Have you ever wondered what it would be like if comedians you didn't like talked about news stories that you've never heard about? (laughs) Well, listen to... Wait, wait, don't tell me. Only on NPR. We're nice, polite Republicans. On this episode of This American Life, we'll be talking about a dad who parented his kids in a weird way, and just kind of sitting on that, and then kind of moving on, after which we'll talk about something that matters. Hey, I'm Frick. This is my brother Frack. We've been dead for 10 years, but we're still going to play every Sunday afternoon. It's time for car talk. You don't know shit about cars, but you're going to laugh at our dad jokes. <laughs> that's all the NPR I know. That's, no, that's good. That's good. Hello. Welcome to Only a Few Things Considered.
<laughs> I'm out. I'm, I got done. nothing left. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. That's all the NPR jokes we can I do. I listen to This American Life and Jack Shanels. I don't get the appeal. <laughs> I don't understand why people tried to make me listen to that for so long. And now 90 minutes of Mo Rocca commenting on things. <laughs> All right, Jesus Christ! Fucking God, do you remember that horrible, horrible period where people had, to, where you had to listen to This American Life to get through any conversation? Oh, yeah. Where it would be like you would just be out with your friends, and someone would be like, "So did everybody listen to this This American Life this week?" Pretty great expose on the immigration crisis. Be like, "Fuck off!" Like this is my time off. I'm not doing work with you. It was the worst. We should mention, though, because we're us. Speaking of NPR, our local NPR affiliate, WHYY Union, bitches! They finally got a contract after two years of fighting with management. So that's going to be good. I'm happy with with WHYY and the stuff that they produce. So, good. I'm glad that they finally got a union contract. So, cheers to that. All right. Back to this goddamn episode of the Andy Griffith Oh, wait, wait. I have one more. I have one more. On this episode of Radio Lab, sound effects. <laughs> They've become sentient and are slowly taking over the show. Oh no, I'm being bonged. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming, creak, creak, creak down the hallway. Oh no, they're opening a door. Yeah, end of end of that. I just remember that Radio Lab exists. And that it sucks. I guess I guess as Philadelphians, we also have to like give a shout out to Terry Gross. Do we? Yeah. Do we? Do we have to? We're going hard on NPR. We're, we're burning <laughs> all of these bridges. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know why we're going so hard on NPR? God, this old shtick has been unlistenable. Uh, yeah. Uh, Good luck to e- editing all this. Enjoy yourselves, Patreon listeners, for this aborted. So back at this fucking episode. Otis pulls up in a car, uh, in case you were wondering what kind of car it is, the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki can tell us it's a 1933 Ford Cabriolet. Uh, so he pulls up in a hot rod, and he's like, woohoo, look at me, I've got a car. And they go, do you even have a license? And they go, yes. And they go, well, I guess we can't stop you from having a car. And then he drives away. This is one of those episodes where Barney is pretty much in the right for it, because he, he displays literally any concern where he's just like hey the guy that's wasted literally most of the time like almost all the time every waking minute he is either drinking or finding a new way to drink he just got a car that's kind of bad right and andy's like oh no you gotta let you gotta trust people you gotta let people make their own decisions and make their own mistakes i'm doing a hands-off parenting style on this adult man you know like if he if he gets in a car accident, we'll make him smoke an entire pack of car accidents. That'll <laughs> that'll teach him. That'll solve this. Yeah, like he is terrifyingly laconic. Like yeah, actually, the town drunk having access to a motor vehicle is you have limited options to deal with it, but you should probably raise an eyebrow about it. I know that we're in like a weird Twilight Zone world where these are the only three people in the town for the next half hour, but like drunk driving doesn't just hurt the guy driving, Andy. Yeah. Like there's a matter of public safety here. You have a child that loves being in the street. It's like one of his top three things. As a matter of fact, one of the first fucking things that that Otis does with his car is run over a bicycle that yes. could easily be a child. Yes. 
<laughs> Fucking A. Yeah, it's a very alarming situation. Barney may may take it too far by saying that he Otis is going to level the city, but honestly, he's not super far off. And then we're treated to, I don't know, Barney following Otis around. You'd think that we'd get something fun like Otis driving in circles or something or like any, any driving whatsoever, really. But the most that happens is Otis backs out of a driveway. Like, well, Barney hides in a bush and wears a little leaf hat that doesn't really hide him and Otis sees him. And the whole bit is like, oh, one of Barney's disguises didn't work. And they. Yeah. They go to they go to a house where they believe that Otis is getting drunk. Yeah. Otis. Well, there's also a bit before that happens where Barney tries to teach Otis traffic safety rules. Actually, I thought this was funny. It was actually a good bit because Barney is like trying to teach him traffic safety rules and Otis just wipes his ass with the entire premise and just pretends like it just goes and pretends it's a Hot Wheel. It's awesome. Giving giving Barney the exact level of dignity and respect he deserves. Yeah. And so they go to this house where they believe that Otis is getting drunk and they're like, well, Otis is stumbling out. He stumbles out. He falls asleep on his car. So he doesn't start the car. And they both go, man, what would have happened if he had gotten in the car? And I guess the answer is you would have pulled him over and arrested him. Yeah. Officers of the law who were right there. They they take him back to to the jail cell where they decide to solve everything the way that all Andy Griffith show conflicts are handled with a poorly thought out con. Yes. They try to ghost of Christmas future him. Rather than, I I know, like, it's actually, it's, it's a fun scene, but, like, also just be like, hey, man, don't fucking drink and drive. That could have been the solution from really scene one of just, like, hey, Otis, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> you're very open about that fact. Are you going to drink and drive? Instead, they're just like, oh, boy, we can't talk to him about it. So they try to do this, like, scared straight bullshit. They, like... Otis wakes up in the jail, and they stand there and be like, Oh, Otis, it would have been... He died. He fell into a river and drowned. We miss him so much. He's so dead. And I don't know, man. Like, they're... They do a eulogy for Otis while they pretend that he's sitting there. And he's sitting there in the back going, I'm alive, fellas! I'm not dead! It's it's a pretty good scene. It's good. They there's a great there's a good ass dramatic monologue from uh Don Knotts. Fucking they play guitar and end of scene yeah. Otis is scared straight effectively. And then we get the big reveal which is that Otis already decided for no real reason that he wasn't going to drive anymore. He was like, "Yeah, no, I was at that house cuz I was selling that that car to that guy." I, I didn't even have the keys when I fell asleep there. And, like, I don't understand. Did, did, are we to just assume that Otis, like, sold the car because he was like, I guess I'm too drunk to ever drive yeah. over. Is that what we're supposed to assume? I think, yeah, he just came to the conclusion himself where he was like, I bought a car. Fuck, I hate being sober. <laughs> uh, you know what <laughs> actually and then he was like okay you know be, being a person who bought a car in the past year i i relate to that 
Yes, one hundred percent. I was at a wedding last night where I was doing some serious math. I was like, "How much is a hotel? <laughs> like, do I really want to drive?" Yeah. Going from like living in the city to having to go back to like my hometown and drive again and just being like oh my god i really just want to go to a bar and tie one off fuck i have a car it's awesome i'll tell you that what you know what's great going to a place getting drunk and then stumbling home it rules yeah try it sometime wonderful it's it's (laughs) there's several of my most cherished memories We're giving a, a full-on ringing, breaking Mayberry endorsement to getting drunk within walking distance. Yes, it's great. Because you are drunk and you can say weird shit to people because you are drunk. And then the next day, nothing has happened. It's awesome. Oh, probably shouldn't endorse that <laughs> specifically. Uh, be Be safe. I don't know. Please, we we got to do like the tag at the end of every alcohol ad. We're like, please drink responsibly. Okay, we're good. We're good. We gave we gave the disclaimer. You can't sue us. Please drink responsibly. Don't get ejected from a Walgreens at two a.m. So yeah, he he basically reveals that oh the situation has resolved itself, and then there's like a <laughs> do you remember when we said we were gonna like. Do every single episode be like, how could this be solved without the aid of police? The Andy Griffith show is doing that work for us. So much. Like, every time they start to do police work, the Andy Griffith show is just like, yeah, but none of this was necessary. Like, straight up, this didn't need to be an episode of TV. Look, I know that all the time I say stuff like, all right, well, if they did that, there wouldn't be an episode. There didn't need to be this episode. No, this was nothing. You could you could invent circumstances that would require Otis to have a car. Like you could you could add some sort of dramatic tension where it's like Otis needs a car or, or here's why Otis really wants a car and would be so disappointed if he couldn't have a car and why you can't just fucking talk to do, him. Do, like uh, you could do so many scenes of Otis like barely resisting not drinking and driving exactly or that's what like i was that. thinking they, i mean they, they did this on the simpsons right there was a, a that bit where barney is the designated driver but like uh there keep being parties busting out while he can't drink you know you could yeah. absolutely do that just like have a reason why otis has to drive in a far destination and then everywhere he goes somebody's drinking like everywhere he goes there's so many opportunities for him to drink that would be a yeah. very funny bit where he's just like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Like, just like, uh, I don't know just if it would have be a moonshiner walk out. It would out. be a thing. It would be. It would, it would be an episode. Just have a moonshiner come out and be like, oh, Otis, I made too much moonshine. Oh, God, I can barely hold all these bottles. <laughs> Won't you take some from me? And he's like, ah, and has to drive away. Like, or at least do some funny Hal Smith in a car shit. Like, have him drive around like a fucking lunatic or something. You just did that with Don Knotts on a fucking motorcycle so we know it's on the table. Do the same thing again. This is, like, you've never had any problem with repeating yourself before. Yeah. Hal Smith would be funny in a car. He could do great fun. Like, it's a naturally funny looking car. Like, yeah. give, give, the, give the car a funny little, like, a wooga horn. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, dumb. Fucking absolutely, like, just cardboard tasting episode. 
Yeah. But yeah, and then it's over. And then it's over. And, and it. this episode of the break of Breaking Mayberry is over. Good night, everybody. Is there any any stuff we left on the table? There's nothing. I don't think so. I really Even don't. Even the ones that were aggressively nothing had stuff that we could yell at, but this is just like it was fine. It was television. You have you have enjoyed 20 minutes of TV. Move on. You good? Yeah, I was just I was trying to stifle a yawn there. <laughs> And that's our review. Is Marty barely not yawning? Both of this, the episode of this TV show and the episode of this podcast. Good night, everybody. As always, if you want to find us on the internet, you can get at us. We are on Twitter at Break Mayberry. That's B-R-E-A-K Mayberry. I don't know why I needed to spell that. I'm on the internet as Schneid Remarks. You know what it is by this point. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry if you think that this is worth any of your money. <laughs> Marty's sleepy, guys. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Check out the Patreon. We just uploaded our episode on Mount Hideaway Mysteries. Yeah. X's and O knows. That's, which It's actually good. Like I think that's one is, of the best things we've done for this show, period. Yeah, no, it's it's the shit. I I watched I watched Mount Hideaway Mysteries a second time because Brianna needed to see it. So I've I watched that piece of dog shit twice now. Yeah, check us out on Patreon. I'm on Twitter as Schneid Remarks. Music you just heard, a music you're about to hear. That's Max Ludwig, who is on Twitch as Sleep Talky. I think that's about it for us. We promise to do better next time, folks. There ain't a whole lot of meat on these bones. <laughs> All right, we'll see y'all down at the fishing hole. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>